You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Brandon Blewett. And I'm Cade Young. This is the WFHB Local News for Monday, July 24th, 2023. In today's feature report, local journalist Dave Askins of the B-Square Bulletin provides a report on a closure of Lower Cascades Park from the media outlet's Morning Bulletin. More in the bottom half of tonight's program. It's a space where they can figure out where their place is in the world and how they can contribute to that global community through the actions they take locally. That's local Girl Scout leader Holly Bales Hall. She's looking for volunteers to help scouts in Monroe County and Owen County discover, connect, and take action. Hear more later in the show on a new episode of Activate. But first, your daily headlines. The Monroe County Commissioners met on July 19th. At the meeting, the board approved the BTEC Fire and Security Agreement for the Justice Building. The agreement will supply the Justice Building with a replacement of the current swipe lock systems on two doors. I'll try to be quick so we don't have to break out sack lunches to get me through this. So. <laughs> uh, You're buying. Sorry. <laughs> Hope everybody's doing all right this morning. Uh, first item I have up here is for... Uh, two of our swipe lock systems at the Justice Building. One of them is a, a swipe lock on the exterior of the building leading into the Sheriff's Department that is non-standard to all the rest of our swipe lock systems. Uh, it's begun to have issues. We've had to have it worked on, so it's time to replace it and get it current with our other system. Uh, the other belongs to our server room. Uh, it has been defunct for a while. It doesn't communicate, so we have to use key override to get into that server room. So we need to have that lock set replaced as well. So this request is to approve the replacement of both of those swipe locks. The board also approved an agreement with BTEC Fire and Security for a replacement of a security camera on the exterior of the Johnson Hardware Building. Uh, yes, one of the uh, 180 degree security cameras mounted on the exterior of the building has failed. Uh, we've had it worked on a couple of times. BTEC what they did what they could to keep it going, but. It is uh, defunct at this time, presents a security issue for us. So this uh, request is to approve the replacement of that camera. Uh, I do recognize the price tag for one camera replacement. Most of that is absorbed in the cost of that camera. These out exterior security cameras, the price has gone up with those with everything else. So The board also approved a quote from Matrix Integration to install hardwired network access for the county jail. The jail will be converting storage space into office space and requires internet access to these areas. So as we all know, the jail's been doing a lot of changing around, some uh, changes to office space, things like that. Uh, they recently decided to make an area into office space that was currently used as storage. So it provides electrical, but does not provide ethernet networking access. So this request is for matrix integration to come in and install two pairs or four drops for network access for multiple desks inside that space. The Monroe County government is seeking new copiers to replace the current copiers, which are beyond their service life. The board approved an agreement with Toshiba Business Systems to replace 32 copiers. The old copiers will be reserviced rather than sent to a landfill. So at current 
one half of our copier fleet is owned by us and the other half is still on a lease. What I'm looking at is our owned machines are all in excess of 10 years old, have exceeded their copy counts. And we're also to the point where we were not gonna be able to get parts from RICO to service those copiers. So um, based on the state QPA contracts, I've decided to uh, go with Toshiba to replace 32 of those owned aged out copiers. It is a 60 month lease. Uh, at the end of that 60 months, we do have a dollar buyout per machine and we will own the equipment. Uh, terms of that are for $4,534, excuse me, a month, which actually it was a uh, reduction in cost of our previous contracts by about $2,500 a month. So we will see our uh, reprographics monies, the budget on that actually drop a little. Thank you. Questions or comments, Commissioner Thomas? None. Mr. Jones? No, I don't. I, I'd like to know if the um, copiers that are being replaced, if they're surplused or what happens with those? The owned machines, I actually, uh, Toshiba has connected me with a, a third party buyer who will buy up that equipment. They'll come in and give us an appraisal of all the machines that we have that we want to sell to them and then they will give us a quote on what they're willing to pay for it. And then I would bring that up so that the items could be declared as surplus and then we could sell them to that company. Uh, some of the older copiers, they may or they may not take because of the age of them. There's no resale value for any of the components inside of it. Those items would have to go to recycle, surplus recycle. But the intent is to is getting as many sold as we can to this third party. Excellent. I, I'm. I would prefer that than having them go into a landfill, basically. Anything we currently recycle now, we use a company called Tech Recyclers out of Indianapolis. They are zero landfill. They strip everything down to its bare components. Plastics go recycled, metals get melted and resold. So they are a zero landfill company. So that's why we use them when we do, if we have something that's unserviceable and can't be sold, that's why we use them to do it because we know they are a zero landfill company. The Monroe County Commissioners will meet again on July 26th. The Monroe County Public Library Board of Trustees met on July 19th. Director of Public Services Josh Wolf gave the monthly director's report. It's been a whirlwind month uh, with the opening of the new branch. We enjoyed another significant increase in registered patrons, 722 in June, thanks in large part to the Southwest Grand Opening and the branch's first month of operations. Just to share a few stats uh, from the first month of the Southwest Branch, we created uh, 525 new library cards there, 495 of which were patrons who registered as new Southwest patrons. We triggered 1,664 holds, uh, 3,193 patrons checked out 18,180 items at the branch and 9,935 items were checked in at Southwest, although many of them were routed back here. Um, we do expect to have door count statistics beginning in August, but we are doing a little fine tuning and tweaking of the RFID readers and the software that comes with those. So uh, hopefully we'll have solid numbers on the door count gate system then. 
Also, I just want to talk briefly about the summer reading. Uh, the children's services is on track to reach pre-pandemic levels of participation. By early July, uh, children's services had given out nearly 2,600 summer reading guides, which pretty much closely mirrors the entire summer's participation last year. Teen services had given out 447 summer reading guides, which is their highest number since 2019. But the big story is the adult summer reading program, which has over 1,589 participants. I have not checked the previous year's numbers, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say they've never been this high for adult uh, summer reading participation. And it's really due to three things. Uh, Maggie Hutt, the librarian, designed a great, really fun program. Communications and marketing made a really cool-looking guide this year that's very similar to the younger ones, although a little more sophisticated. Um, and the children's and teens staff are actively encouraging caregivers to participate on their own but alongside their children. So that's been really cool. Uh, teen Services also held a Juneteenth celebration for all ages where community members were able to celebrate the holiday at MCPL by playing giant board games, making themed crafts together, and enjoying food from locally black-owned restaurant Eric Gordon's Greek's Pizzeria. Teens who attended the event were able to participate in making a freedom quilt poster, which is now displayed in the ground floor to commemorate this year's celebration. And many newcomers enjoyed being able to join in the festivities and learn more about the holiday. Finally, the Bookmobile made its annual appearance at Bloomington Parks and Rec's Touch-A-Truck event, which saw over 1,400 kids and caregivers touring the vehicle and learning about mobile library services in the summer reading program. Competing against fire engines, cement mixers, and excavators, the Bookmobile was the favorite stop for many young bookworm, one of whom env enviously asked our staff, do you actually get to live here? Which I think it feels like that for some of them, probably. Board President Chris Harrison commented that she was glad to hear they are working to stock the children's collection. Wolf responded. I noticed when I was wandering over there through the children's collection, it was looking a little depleted. So I was glad to yeah. see that they're sending a few more things down there. Yeah, we have that conversation on the floor quite often. The children's department in particular looks bare. On the bright, it's on the bright side. You want all the books to be in people's homes, of course. Uh, but they are maniacally ordering and, yeah, recataloging and sending stuff over. So with 18,000 checkouts and only 9,000 returns, and a significant number of those returns being books that are getting routed back here, we're a little depleted for sure. Yeah. The board discussed the renewal of a contract with Polaris, their catalog system program. Wolf shared the details on their decision to continue the contract with the company. For anybody who, who may be tuning in, uh, who doesn't know, Polaris is our integrated library system, our ILS. It's the platform that manages our entire catalog of collections, our patron accounts, all of our circulation, our discovery system. It's basically the reason we don't have a card catalog or stamp cards anymore. Um, we've used Polaris successfully since 2006 when we converted from a command line system. In 2019 and 2020, we under, underwent a major ILS review uh, during which we spoke with other libraries, took a close look at several of Polaris's competitors. We ultimately decided at that time to stay with Polaris, but we did make some pretty major changes. We migrated our frontline staff client to Leap, um, and which is the customer service client that they use. 
Currently, we're also exploring plans to further develop and invest in some of the marketing and discovery options that Polaris offers, such as Vega. We're now proposing to renew our contract with Polaris for five years in order to take advantage of the savings attached to a longer contract. The board voted unanimously to approve the contract renewal. The next Monroe County Public Library Board of Trustees meeting will be held on August 16th. In today's feature report, local journalist Dave Askins of the B-Square Bulletin provides a report on the closure of Lower Cascades Park from the media outlet's Morning Bulletin. We turn to Dave Askins for more. The B-Square Bulletin sends out an emailed morning bulletin every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can sign up for the morning bulletin by visiting bsquarebulletin.com and clicking on the tab labeled subscribe. Here's an entry from the edition sent out on Friday, July 21st, 2023. Lower Cascades Road Closure. At its Thursday night meeting, Bloomington's Environmental Commission discussed the EC's position on a proposed closure of the road through Lower Cascades Park. After talking about the issue and whether to take a position by ranking the options or making a recommendation, the EC did not take a vote. Instead, they asked the staff planner who supports the EC to compile a breakdown of the environmental impacts for each of the four options described in Planning Director Scott Robinson's June 16, 2023 memo. EC members are supposed to send any comments they have to environmental planner Linda Thompson. That approach was driven in part by the fact that the audio for the Zoom connection, which two of the EC members were using to attend the meeting, was unusable for most of the meeting. I was physically present for the meeting, but was also logged on to the Zoom call. I don't know how anyone could have understood anything that was going on at that meeting just by listening to the Zoom audio. By Wednesday, Thompson is supposed to have compiled the document. The road closure could appear on the City Council's agenda as soon as next Wednesday, July 26th. I'm trying to pin down whether the Council would need to enact an ordinance or just needs to pass a resolution. If it's an ordinance, then it would just be a first reading next Wednesday. On Saturday, July 22nd, starting at 1.30 p.m. at the Waterfall Shelter in Lord Cascades Park, there's a public meeting about the potential closure of the road hosted by some neighbors who oppose the closure. After I sent out that morning bulletin, I heard from Stephen Lucas, who is the city council's attorney. He said on Wednesday, July 26th, the only Cascades Road related item is a report from planning director Scott Robinson on the four options for the lower Cascades Road. Lucas said that one of the options converting the road to one-way traffic would require a city council ordinance, but he is still researching what legislative act would be required of the council to completely close the road. This has been Dave Askins with the B-Square Bulletin for WFHB.
Holly Bales Hall joined Girl Scouts in fifth grade, and it was a deeply formative experience for her. Now she pays it forward as the scout leader for her daughter's troop, helping the next generation of Girl Scouts discover, connect, and take action to make the world a better place. Activate is a partnership between WFHB and the City of Bloomington Volunteer Network, working together to build a strong, healthy, and engaged community. You can hear more about volunteer opportunities in the WFHB listening area at bloomingtonvolunteernetwork.org or by emailing getconnected at bloomington.in.gov. Welcome to Activate, featuring real people working for positive change in our community, encouraging you to get involved, live your passion, and make a difference. Hi, I'm Holly Bales Hall from Girl Scouts of Central Indiana. Girl Scouting is a national organization. It's been around since 1912, and its purpose is to help grow girls or build girls of courage, character, and confidence who are gonna make the world a better place. And that's pretty much been their mission since they began in 1912, and still to this day are doing the same thing. It's a space where girls can be innovative. They can ask questions and take an adventure to figure it out. It's a space where they can make friends from all over the world and figure out where their place is in the world and how they can contribute to that global community through the actions they take locally. That's pretty much what Girl Scouting is um, for any girl aged five to 18 years old. Uh, the national organization breaks down into councils and our council happens to be Girl Scouts of Central Indiana. And specifically here in Monroe County, we are part of a service unit and that is a combined unit of Monroe and Owen counties. We partner with all sorts of organizations. I mean, we can do it through a church, we can do it with Boys and Girls Club, we can do it with Girls Inc. We have troops in those areas and support their missions as well. You know, I'm getting a little teary-eyed to think about this, but my dad and mom were wonderful, maybe role models is the word I really wanna use, in community service. And my dad was really active in Boy Scouts. He was an Eagle Scout. And he said, well, I want that for you. In fifth grade, I joined a Girl Scout troop. So I was a girl in Girl Scouts. Girl Scouting, I learned how to do archery. I learned how to canoe. I learned how to sail a boat. I know how to tie knots. I can rock climb. I can rappel. I can you know, do a climbing wall. I can set up a tent. I can light a fire with one match. But I learned those from my leaders. And I pass that love on to my Girl Scouts, and they're passing that on to the little kids that they're working with now. It's kind of fun to see. The whole point is for them to become community-minded and to give back to the community. So you'll see them volunteering at the animal shelter or at the food bank or, you know, it's not about just we have this group of people and we hold them close. No, it's about teaching them how to support their entire community and how they can make a difference and thereby make a difference in the world. Anybody can be a member of Girl Scouts. Any girl or person who identifies as a girl can be a Girl Scout. 
any adult can be a member as long as they're over 18 years old. To be a volunteer, however, you do have to get a background check and you have to take training for the position you want to be part of so that they're ensuring the safety of everybody and that you know what you're doing. You're not just going blindly into it. And as a leader, you get lots of training. You get lots and lots and lots of support, both nationally at the local council and at the uh, local county level, the volunteer level. You can come and help with an event, one time, one shot deal. You can work one week of day camp or part-time uh, as a volunteer. You can go out to camp if you like outdoor stuff. You can help at a music event, one day, one small event, one hour of your time. Boom, you volunteered for Girl Scouts and you've made an impact in girls' lives. As long as they know you care, then you're doing a great job. So if you want to volunteer or just find out more about Girl Scouting because maybe you're interested in it for your daughter, you can go to their website, which is girlscoutsindiana.org, and then just find their Contact Me section. And again, that's girlscoutsindiana.org. I'm Holly Bales-Hall. I'm a volunteer with Girl Scouts of Central Indiana, where I help girls discover, connect, and take action. You've been listening to Activate, true stories from friends and neighbors who stand up for what they believe in. Activate is a partnership between WFHB and the City of Bloomington Volunteer Network, working together to build a strong, healthy, and engaged community. With production support from students in the media school at Indiana University. You can learn more about volunteer opportunities in the WFHB listening area online at bloomingtonvolunteernetwork.org. That's bloomingtonvolunteernetwork.org. Up next, we turn to WFHB sports correspondent Leo Pies for his latest report on the rise of pickleball. In 1965, Congressman Joel Pritchard improvised a game of badminton with ping pong paddles and a perforated plastic ball to play with his family over the weekend after being unable to find a complete set of badminton rackets. As the game went on, they realized that a lower net would make the game better, and thus, in his house just outside Seattle, pickleball was created. The sport spread around the U.S. and grew throughout the decades, but it was only after the COVID-19 pandemic that pickleball really became mainstream. Since 2020, the total number of players in the U.S. went from 3.5 million to over 36 million as of January 2023. The sport is specially known to be appealing to elderly people as its low-impact nature and easy-to-play dynamic makes it easier for them. Brandon Mackey, co-founder of Pickleheads, a website where you can find people, courts, and equipment to play, played tennis his whole life and made the switch to pickleball when he saw the low-impact nature of the sport. Pickleball is definitely easier on the body. Uh, there's less court to cover, so there's less running. Um, you, your best advantage is playing up at the net. So usually you're up at the net, which you don't do a lot of running there. It's mostly about having quick hands and hitting strategic shots. So there's a lot more strategy, I think, in pickleball than raw athleticism. Um, so you could definitely 
play longer. Um, you can play later into life because of that. As the Medical University of South Carolina puts it, pickleball offers a good workout without as much stress on joints and muscles. It also helps with hand-eye coordination, which is crucial for daily activities like eating or driving, and with balance, helping avoid falls. But that doesn't mean that injuries do not happen. As CNN reports, 86% of pickleball injuries occurred in people over 60 years old. Most of these injuries are sprains, strains, and fractures. To avoid that, Dr. Laura John Gregorio, a professor and Schlegel Research Chair in Mobility and Aging at the University of Waterloo in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada, recommends that older people participate in muscle and balance training. The fact that we should be physically active is common in messaging. What is missed is the fact that you should be doing strength training and balance training. Um, so I, I, when you ask, you know, how important is it for people to be doing impact exercise? I think it's important for people to do physical activity that gets their heart rate pumping, that gets them working a little bit harder than they would normally do. Um, and if, if they want to do a low impact exercise, like pickleball or dancing or whatever that may be, walking, that's great. Um, but I do think that they should also uh, participate in strength training to maintain muscle mass or increase muscle mass and also do balance training uh, to maintain balance and prevent falls. To ease the transition to the court, Dr. John Gregorio advised people to start easy and slowly increase the intensity and volume of the workout. Another thing is that if you're planning on starting to play pickleball, you should look at other activities that can prepare your body first so the transition to the court is easier. What's really important is to understand what your abilities are, and if you're starting a new activity that you um, sort of progress the intensity or the volume of that activity at um, a rate that's appropriate for your physical fitness level. So if someone starts and they're already an athlete, it's probably really easy for them to jump in to another type of sport because they have the physical abilities. So if someone has never played a sport and is not physically active, then they need to kind of start, if they're going to start something new, they want to start at a lower intensity and progress the intensity over time, or they want to start at a low volume of activity and progress over time. So for example, use the example of pickleball. So if they want to, they might not want to enter a pickleball tournament where they have to play four games which they've never played before because that's a high volume of activity, right? But, you know, if they started, maybe they start with 10 or 20 minutes at a time and see how that goes, right? So I think it's starting with the intensity and volume of activity that's appropriate for your physical fitness level. The other thing is if you want to do an activity, um, it might be a good idea to think about what other things you can do to condition your body to be prepared for those activities. So um, there are actually studies showing, you know, more and more injuries showing up because of pickleball, um, because people are, you know, who are not physically active are jumping into these pickleball leagues and then they're falling and they're hurting themselves. So, you know, if you want to play pickleball, then then maybe you think about doing some balance exercises and doing some strength exercises and, you know, getting more physical activity generally so that you are conditioned and, and physically fit enough to play the sport that you want to play. But pickleball is not only for elderly people. The sport is attracting a younger audience, especially after the pandemic, as Mackie points out. And the rise in popularity among younger people can partly explain the spike in numbers of players. For decades, it was only played in senior communities in, in Florida and Arizona. And I think the, the pandemic was an important catalyst uh, to bring it to younger people. If you think about that time, the gyms were shut down, a lot of the typical outlets to get activity 
uh, for younger folks weren't available. And pickleball provided uh, a great opportunity for that. You could go outside, play, socialize responsibly. And I think a lot of young people found the sport, myself included, during that time period. Um, young people are good with social media and spreading it to their friends. And pickleball is a very like kind of viral, spreadable sport that you can anyone can pick up. So people would invite kind of their whole friend groups to come out and play. And I think that really helped spread the sport. Now you're seeing these dense urban communities, maybe in Atlanta, Denver, um, Austin, Texas, starting to lead the sport forward, where historically it was, you know, like I said, like kind of Arizona, Florida. So it's been exciting. And the average age of pickleball players, you know, is dropping. It's below 35 now, the first time ever. And I think more and more that's going to continue to find its way to young people. And Bloomington is following the lead of bigger metropolitan cities. Alex Lynn, a Bloomington resident, started to play pickleball after a family trip to South Carolina and hasn't stopped since. Uh, I probably only started playing about eh, maybe a year ago now, last summer. Um, uh, I went to vacation in South Carolina and, um, you know, in a lot of the summer uh, resort areas, um, pickleball has actually become a huge thing um, for, uh, you know, the older communities because, you know, a lot of people grew up playing tennis, but the older you get, it's harder <laughs> to keep up with it. So, um so yeah, it became huge there. My parents fell in love with it and um, they kind of just spread the bug to the rest of our family. So um, now every summer uh, I try to golf as much as I can, but this is super easy to come out, you know, play, play in it for an hour or two and then uh, go home. I absolutely love it. As the sport becomes more and more popular, Dr. John Gregorio urges people of all ages to look at the National Physical Activities Guideline and try to meet them so they can be prepared to start a new sport. Also encouraging people to meet national physical activity guidelines. So if you're not already out there, you know, walking and doing other types of physical running or dancing or doing other types of physical activity, or if you're not doing strength training or not doing balance training, incorporating those things in addition to the pickleball or maybe before you start so that you, you get yourself ready to, to be doing those things, right? And if you're really interested, you could even talk to a physical therapist or an exercise physiologist about, okay, well, I want to be playing pickleball. Like, what are some exercises I can do to get me stronger and improve my balance for those sorts of things? National guidelines for physical activities can be found at the National Institutes of Health website. For WFHB, I'm Leo Pais.